Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. I'm Rebecca Roberts. Hi, I'm Harriet Small. Welcome to Have You Got Five Minutes, the PR, comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about at an event or while making a brew in the office. Hi Harriet, how are you? I'm alright, how are you? I'm jolly good, thanks. Enjoying the summer holidays with the kids, kind of. You know, today I am anyway, yesterday was different. So we're going to start off talking about skill stacking, which is an interesting term, you can tell us a bit more about that in a sec, but it made me think about the whole movement that was around Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers in 2008, the notion around like, to be an expert in something, you have to do 10,000 hours at this one thing. And then, you know, I guess as an athlete, you can kind of make those parallels between like becoming like really expert at one particular movement or a sports skill. But when it comes to marketing comms, like that notion is like, I bet Blockbuster were like 10,000 hours at doing our videos in a certain way and like that, that total business model. And like if you thought about like just one skill in either marketing comms PR, you'd become obsolete. Like you could be the next Betamax, right? It's, it, I just find that interesting. So skill stacking is an interesting one. I heard it when I was doing the audiobook for Stephen Bartlett's book. Happy Sexy Millionaire. And I thought, I've been doing this for years, but I didn't really know the name of what it was. So he gave the example of Steve Jobs, one of the founders of Apple, who did this design and calligraphy class. But Steve Jobs was never that good at design. But then add all his other skills to it, so business, branding, the fact that he understood technology, he could see into the future, that kind of visionary trait and characteristic that he had. And he combined all of them together And then he created what we now see as the modern day Apple with iPhone and and iPads and the new design Macs. And it really made me think that actually, at times, we tend not to think of our other skills that we bring from other places or even from other parts of our lives as important in our day job. And yet they do have importance and relevance. Yeah, for me, I feel like it's kind of about keeping interested and passionate about what you do in like marketing comms. Like whenever I've interviewed someone or worked with someone and they've gone like, you know, yeah, I work in social media. I really hate it. I just don't like it in terms of for my own self. And I'm like, maybe you're just like not in the right area then or like maybe you need to look at other things. And for me, it's constantly being like, Something that I feel like, oh, I should really get upskilled on that. So I remember doing like a couple of digital projects and I did a coding course, a free, just a free online one from the Codes Academy, just because I wanted to kind of speak the same language as the people I was working with. Not because I was going to suddenly be highly skilled in it, but I just thought, actually, I, I should do my homework. So I'm not, I, I will ask any questions, but I've kind of done so from a place of understanding. And then just stuff that I'm interested in, I think you never know really how your career is going to fully roll out. Like, yeah, I suppose if you're a medic, you know, you've studied medicine, that's not, you're on a, a certain path. But even within that, like I've got friends with doctors who've kind of changed specialisms or done certain research in a, t- a certain area. So I think it's about constantly being interested. And I think there's a term 
that came up in, when I worked in sport actually and it was with performance psychologists and we were talking about like you know the phrase like you, know, you need to work on your weaknesses and to sort of tackle those and sometimes when we have like performance reviews or we talk about things we're good at we, we really focus on what we're not good at and we need to upskill those areas and really focus on that and they were saying like actually in performance psychology what they talk about to a lot of athletes is about super strengths and about really embracing what you're really good at because what you don't want to do is just focus on what you're not so great at and ignore things that you're really passionate about or really great at. I actually heard an interview on and radio one last night from an artist and they were basically saying that their new album and I guess everyone says that it's more them whatever but he, they were saying like I've just re- realized I just need to be myself more and with that has come more success because I've, I've tried to fit less into what people expect of me and I think that was skill stacking like it's just being interested and finding out different areas of your work that you love more yeah and I was thinking about it, like even if you look at like people who are quite successful so even like you mentioned medics like I used to work with Dr. Zoe Williams, this is going back years, and this was before she was doing the TV thing. She's still a GP, but she does This Morning, she does other documentaries, she does presenting. There's a time when she went off to America and worked for this charity that was looking at childhood obesity. So there are a lot of doctors, if you think about also Dr. Chatterjee, he's got a podcast, he's still a GP, he writes books. So people do stack skills and it does help them. And just like from a comms PR marketing background, I was just thinking about it in terms of like, so there's certain people who are really good at writing speeches. You could literally go off and you could be an incredible speech writer. So you could be really good at writing for leaders and that could help you as an internal communicator. It doesn't even mean that you have to be brilliant at writing, but you could actually stack some of those skills on top. Think about things like event management, you know, finance being really savvy and really commercial. Like I've worked with some people who are very savvy with money. Like they can come in and be like, yeah, this is where you're leaking money. This is where you can make money. And they're comms people. They're not even like finance people they're they're people who've probably just paid attention to what's happening in in another area others have got an eye for design public speaking so there's so many areas that you can stack other skills on even networking so I know people love to make jokes out of my networking skills but it does help with the day job I actually managed to scoop two amazing speakers for our leaders week I'm not going to tell you how much I did it for, but most of you probably guessed knowing how tight I am with work budgets. But yeah, because of networking. And that's a skill because a lot of people are very scared of doing stuff like that. Literally, Harriet's Little Black Book is endless. Like, there's no one Harriet doesn't know. That's all I'm going to say. I can't tell you anymore because she'll kill me. But no, I think that's a really good point in terms of like the other skills that you bring to the table. It's just added value. And I think if you've got that interest, like why wouldn't you explore it? And just from a personal level as well, like, you know, if you just feel like, and enthused about your job not saying like suddenly jump ship and do something else but make it interesting or have hobbies and volunteer or do other things like you're not just one thing in life and I think that's the whole point about skill stacking it's like I sit on a a board for sport across Stoke and Staffordshire I really wanted like board experience but I'm really passionate about participation and getting like disadvantaged groups more active and so that's something that I find really interesting that doesn't lead to work necessarily but it's still adding to skills that I am developing so I think you should just think of skills not in like one linear career path or just what you're offered through work it's just 
a lot broader than that. Yeah. And if you're wondering, like, how do I start thinking about this? So if you go to the membership bodies, they normally have a list of skills that you need for one of the roles and that kind of thing. And also to progress the IOIC, which is the Institute of Internal Comms, has a really good wheel, which shows you the framework of how you sort of get from one level to another. So from senior manager to director or from head of comms, internal comms to another role. Government Communication Service also has a framework. So you can probably see within there how you sort of manage and navigate between those skills. It's like, for instance, I do some work with Taylor Bennett Foundation. So I'm an ambassador for them and I do some fundraising as well. And like all those other skills, they do add up. So next time when you need to do something else, you know how to do it already because you did it with sort of the last place or even just meeting people and going for different events. Like I was really lucky last year, Taylor Bennett Foundation was invited to a UN event and the chief exec invited me to go along with her. And it was in Soho House, which, you know, I'm not going to get a membership for anytime soon. But if you're listening to Soho House, me and Rebecca want a membership. But it was really nice because it's the one we went for had Sadiq Khan, who's Mayor of London, and Lewis Hamilton and Afia Hirsch and some other speakers and it was, it was amazing it was literally you're watching a zoom but in the beautiful Soho house with table service and it's better than watching it in my living room it gives that, that say yes more Harriet I think skill stack say yes do more things For our five minutes this week, we're talking about recruitment campaigns. And I guess for me, I come at this from a like a student recruitment background, but there's good, bad and ugly, aren't there, with like brands and how they go about engaging talent in particular. And some are great and some not so much, but we're going to talk about the good stuff. So we recently at work, for those of you who don't know, I work for Hackney Council, one of the best authorities in the country, in my view. So we recently recruited a new chief exec and we did this video for him or her, whoever was going to join, to see what we're like as a council and what working for us is like. And it's a really cool video that we all got involved in in the internal comms team. And I really enjoy doing recruitment videos. And I've done about three since I've been at Hackney. It showed the borough, it showed the community, and it highlighted the different leaders within the council and what they do. And it just got me thinking about recruitment campaigns. Who's responsible for them? What can you bring to them that's fresh and different? I'm looking at doing another one at the moment for one of my stakeholders. And I came across one that Essex did for social workers and it is absolutely stunning visually and even the wording and it's just it really does because traditionally recruitment campaigns especially in social care were this is what it's like to work for us as a social worker and this one focused on the outcomes of what you would be giving the children and the families that you would be working from and I just found it incredible I absolutely loved it. Yeah I think with recruitment it's such a massive opportunity to talk about you know your brand your organizational values but the risk is you go down this like overly corporate route and I think the important thing about marketing comms teams being involved in recruitment is you're given a real sense of what life will be like if you are actually recruited so you know we've criticized like brands before particularly after Black Lives Matter movement last year got so much like wider profile of portraying images of people that did not look like the images of people who were currently working there and I think with that comes a lot of baggage in terms of well, what experience you then put in those people through when they get to those organisations. 
And, you know, people always say it in their recruitment, like it's just as much for the individual to decide if that organisation is right for them, much as you d- judging that person. So I think from a comms perspective, you know, it's not just that our values are X, Y and Z. It's about making sure you've got a real genuine flavour of what life will be like working, not just the kind of PR stunts. Like those are fun. Like there's one, you know, that IKEA did this thing where they hid loads of job ads on like the actual furniture, the flat pack furniture boxes. And it kind of, there was a big uptick in like um, applications. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like a fun, there's like a competition or a puzzle and like lots of tech companies do it like with their, I think Google have done it with like hidden adverts in some of their campaigns. And if you were a developer, you might notice that and do all that. And I, you know, I get that for some ingenuity kind of PR value in and hype. If you can do a really good campaign, it, it kind of connects staff as well. They feel like that staff pride about being involved in campaigns. So like whether that's like Times Best 100 Places to Work, that's internal comms can really extend to that recruitment, I think. And we talk about it like in terms of student recruitment around like, well, deciding where to go to university is for a lot of young people, it's like the biggest main decision they've made in their lives their first one and it's very akin to like buying a house you get a feel for a place for example when you feel if it's right for you and I'm a big believer in saying well you know you'll find people that you can spend like a half an hour on a campus and you can start to get a picture of the type of students that will, will find that campus appealing and obviously there's variations in that but by course but people kind of self-identify with certain institutions and certain working cultures so you need to make sure that really reflects who you actually are otherwise you're just recruiting people that aren't ever going to feel like connected you you kind of it's a dishonesty there what do you reckon i think you also need to use data and insight so you need to find out in terms of that profession what is attracting them to go to a new organization what are those things so for some professions it may be well-being other professions it may be the money it may be the ability like i've being quite honest with a lot of people who have contacted me and said for me moving a role is not necessarily about the money if the well-being and also what I'm contributing to that organisation is not substantial. There are a lot of factors as to why people move and I think you've got to do a little bit of insight and really understand why would people want to come and work for you? Because there are some people who will want to work somewhere because of what that organisation does in terms of the community, what they do, whether that's because they have a passion in a certain sport or it's because they have a love for maybe a certain kind of cause. So for example, I know when I worked for the European Union, one of the projects I worked on was a refugee crisis situation. And the reason why I suggest to doing it was because that's a part of humanitarian work that I am interested in. So that appeals to me more at the time doing a project for them that would have been around sustainability or the environment, not saying that's not important, but that's not something that I have a passion in. And that's not a piece of work where I feel I can contribute to. So there are different varying reasons as to why people will do things. So it's really important to get that insight and that data and also looking at the whole experience and the whole journey of how a candidate comes to you. So there's no good doing an amazing recruitment campaign. They see this fancy video and they come to your offices if they can come to your office or having an interview. And then afterwards, your HR is really horrible to them, doesn't get back to them or they have a really horrible induction period. So it's about the whole experience because also there's the boomerang effect. Sometimes people may not be successful the first time, but because they had such a wonderful experience, they may wait until another role comes up and then apply again at your organisation because they've said, oh, that was a great experience last time. Let me try again. But also there's a lot of word of mouth. So if I've had a really horrible recruitment campaign, you'll bet your bottom dollar I'm going to go into one of my WhatsApp groups and talk about it. So it's all those things you need to be mindful of when you're doing recruitment campaigns. So the user experience throughout the entire journey 
not just a fancy video but I'll share our fancy video oh yeah share the fancy one because obviously that's made it (laughs) but using that data for um deciding what channels is really important as well so like you know and I was sitting on a, a board group this week equality and diversity one around like you know how do we reach different groups of young people for this particular role and it was like what are you using is it the same old stuff you've always done you need to change the attack a little bit and use that insight and also test things and like not rely on just well we've put it to the same ad pages that we've always done and thinking about being creative so we'll put some examples of campaigns that we think have been effective but fire services that have said we need more women and then they've approached facebook groups to do that not just advertise a job locally it's about like you can do that on a really low costing it's like okay so i'm regionally based i'm going to contact these kind of groups that have predominantly women in and i'm going to say hey would you mind sharing this campaign for me in your, those groups i've done that with different campaigns where I'm like hey could we share this in this group like there's no point me setting up a group but you've already got an established group and just asking and seeing if that would be a route that you can go to so it doesn't always have to be big budget but i just think about being creative can be like a really good way to think about like the range of people you're reaching for different kind of campaigns and same with like student recruitment you can easily spend a lot of money and universities do spend a lot of money it's a multi-million pound industry to recruit students but it's also thinking about are your outreach links with local colleges really good how's that reputation are you doing things to get young people onto campus or engaged through institution through widening participation for example and thinking about all those little things that come together so it's like a cumulative effect right so it might be an ad campaign but it could be different things they see on social media different pr things different ways that you've built your reputation that teachers start knowing what you're about as an institution it's not as simple as blowing a load of budget on like an, a tv ad after emmerdale which no one sees but the vice chancellor so that's who you wanted to get in the first place and I think you have to be really careful like who you're advertising and promoting for because a chief exec might say well I really want to make sure we're on the times or the guardian job pages and we need to do that but really if your data showing you that you never really get much application through that or you get loads but they're not the right people then what it's total waste you have to really evaluate yeah and there's another campaign that I'll share it's a couple of years old now probably from 2018 but it was done by the ministry of justice and they were trying to recruit prison officers. That was a really interesting one. And we know traditionally the army have been quite creative in how they try and recruit as well, but they use a lot of TV adverts. But yeah, we've seen also some bad examples and we'll put those in the show notes. But the one thing that I will say is don't underestimate the value of content marketing. And that's not just even just the videos but that can also be using things like podcasts that can also be things like LinkedIn posts people sharing a day in their life of to give people what it is like an insight I remember Stylist magazine I think they probably still have it but obviously because of the pandemic we don't really get the copies but they have that section where they profile a woman about her day it's really interesting reading it because there's different roles in there so if you can do things like that to try and give people an insight into what it's like working for you what someone would be doing in a role you know I hate doing a day in the life of every time people ask me I always say no but the thing is is yes some of my days can be interesting and I know if I shared that with other people maybe they would think oh actually working for a council in the internal comms team is actually a good shout yeah and the thing I say about LinkedIn is around you know thinking about your staff as brand ambassadors so like when you share a job if you've got that staff pride or connection to where they work and they're ambassadors for you they will want to share it with their networks and just from like a obvious point they're sharing it with their friends who are kind of like them who might be interested in the same kind of stuff like that will kind of find more people like your current workforce you know you don't want an echo chamber and you want to reach further but it's a good place to start if you've kind of got your own staff as ambassadors as well yeah and your old staff who left you will also share like 
like I shared um, a job role for the CAA, shared a few of their job roles. And then I don't just share them on LinkedIn, I'll go and share them on Twitter as well, because I've worked there and I loved working there. So yeah, just think about those things as well. Thanks for joining us. And everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes. We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with Harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca, at threadandfable.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRobert7 or at Harriet Smalzy. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.